Do you think anybody finds this interesting at all, or is it just I think the there's at least one person that's going to be like, yes, and that's about it. <laughs> Well, for all of you guys who are watching, uh, we are really excited to have you on. Pastor Eric Johnson from Bethel Church, Redding, California. It's a it's a real honor to have you on. We're here in Redding. Yep. And uh, and yeah, thank you for coming on to the uh, green room. Absolutely, so good to be here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Yep. Uh, what's new? What's going on in your life these days? Oh man, uh, we're in a new state of parenting right now. One of my daughters is in another country. Yeah both out of high school and my other one is finishing up some schooling right now kind of her kind of where she wants to aim her career at and so we are in a completely different state of parenting every almost all of our friends right now i have very young kids at home and we're like feel like grandma and grandpa's already so really? anyway it's great it's been fun we're cl we're similar in age I'm yeah i'm 43 okay so i'm 37 yeah pretty not, not that far I'm pretty apart. i'm pretty young you are. You started young. How, how young were you when we you started? We were 21 when we got married, 23 in our first child, 25 mm -hmm. second child. Okay, yeah. And then 43, our youngest graduated. And wow. so, yeah, we're right there. I saw some pictures. I was looking on your Instagram today. I went. I dove deep into your to your Instagram, and there was some, like, curly Oh, you were way back. I did. I actually went you to the went, beginning. I saw you, your first wow. photo. I saw photos that nobody even commented or liked on like imagine the time totally and, uh, <laughs> old Instagram when it came yeah. out yeah now that's my that's my natural hair by the way really oh yeah super curly it was uh it was amazing and I a lot of everybody it. To check and a it lot out. of it mm -hmm. yeah I had dreads for a while hold on stop I had dreads I didn't need a pillow because it was so afro-y was this before Todd White influenced your ministry or Todd no? White I'm wasn't even kidding. around <laughs> I'm just kidding I know I know no, this was before I met Candace really and so when I was getting ready to pursue her, I cut it. And she actually really liked it. So I thought it would impress her. It unimpressed her because she actually liked it. Because, okay. you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I, have, I used to have a lot of hair. Now I'm just trying to manage, manage what I have left. There's a reason why I'm wearing this, uh, totally. this hat. Uh, how, how long were your dreads? Oh, well, my hair's curly. Yeah. And so I'd have to pull them out. <laughs> so I would say, you know... That long, but then they they did bunch up. I think the my internet hair is so curly is going to demand a photo. Uh, I yes. haven't seen one on your. Go Instagram. to my Instagram to I, scroll all. Wait, how far down? I went to photo one and I worked my way up. Yeah, so it, it's it's a number of years ago. It's okay. an old post. I'll check it out. Every once in a while, I bring it out because people don't believe me that I had I had very curly hair. So, so you met your wife Candice, and you guys got married. Yeah, we met in college mm -hmm. in 90, we met in 96-ish and got married end of 97. And okay. Yeah, so we just celebrated and we're coming up on our 22nd year. That's crazy, man. Like two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, so That's it's crazy. wild. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah, we were just down in Santa Cruz where we met uh, just a couple months ago. Awesome. And we try to go down every year, every other year. And it's yeah. fun to go back and go, oh, this is kind of where it all began right here for us. So it's cool. Now, you've told me before that you... Mm -hmm you were actually going to get started in ministry, not in the pastorate. If I remember correctly, you were going to go into full-time missions. We had, I, we had I actually house. wanted to be in professional sports. Okay. That was baseball. I was fully committed to that. Had some arm issues, so I redshirted, met with my coach, and he said, I want you to redshirt your freshman year. And right then and there, I knew I'm done with sports. So I went through a season where I moved to Mexico to work at an orphanage. 
And it was there. I've always been involved with mission my whole life. Mm-hmm. But it was there. It was like, this is what I want to do. I want to just do mission. That's it. Yeah. And so I went to Bible college to get my pastor's license. And then from there, hopefully get married and then go to the nations. And so all of that happened except Bethel started happening. Yeah. And that was in 96, 97 yeah. My parents moved to Reading. Okay. And my wife and I were getting ready to move to Mexico. And we were looking at going back to where I had done some ministry. But then I felt like we were supposed to go to Reading for a season. And so, and that the course we took. Yeah. So, so I, I, my first uh, involvement in Bethel, uh, well, it wasn't really involvement. My first kind of like meeting mm-hmm. was in 99. 99? Uh, yep. Okay. 1999, I was saved three months. And uh, I, there was a conference in somewhere in Massachusetts. I want to say Western Mass. I believe you had a Who did my uncle, an uncle that has a church. In Pepperell. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So I just got saved three months, and and I went to this conference. I slept on the floor of some dude's hotel room, that were that were like attending the conference. I didn't have any yeah. money, and I met your father there. So it was Randy Clark, uh, this pastor from Redding, California, that nobody nobody even heard of. Oh yeah, and uh, and a guy named Bob Bradbury, who, yes. whose ministry I got saved under. So it was wow. the three of them doing this conference at a hotel in. Pepperell or somewhere yeah. right out near there. I'm originally from Massachusetts. And it's the only time I've ever seen this uh, as your father. I remember I remember Randy getting up and introducing him. And I think your father had been out to his church to speak at a conference. Mm-hmm. And this was the second or third thing they had ever done today, done yeah. together. And Randy gets up, he introduces your father, and he says, No, none of you know who this man is, but you will know this man, and his anointing will eclipse mine. And everybody just laughed because this is like in the throngs of, this you know, Toronto t- revival. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I remember I remember it vividly. And and your father got up and he spoke. I remember all of his messages that he shared. And as he spoke, people started screaming. It's the only time I've ever seen this. And like in a good way, like their brains were getting fried. So they were just like, ah, I can't handle this. And they got up and they ran out and they went to his book book table and, and just it. scooped uh, it's the only time i've seen like a fight <laughs> at a bookstore and the only reason i saw it's because i was there in the middle yeah. of it like pushing old ladies out uh, as they were manifesting <laughs> to scoop to scoop up their their tapes and your father said this he said all my stuff is copyrighted this was back then this is tapes yeah oh yeah you, know, you have the right to copy it and give it away and bless somebody yep. and that was my first introduction. 1999. 1999. Yep. And he told some stories that st- I still think about today. And, and forgive me, I don't want to talk about your dad. You're here. But but uh, I want to I just share how I got involved. Um, he told stories about, like, the Roadrunner. Do you oh, remember yeah. that? Oh, oh, like, that, shaped, that shaped our house. Yeah. And <clears> so I so the Roadrunner, and he told a story about, like, the, co- like the tree in his office that he would pour coffee grounds into. Yep. Is his cold coffee? Yes, and yeah, leftover cold coffee. Yeah, and and you know what the Lord spoke to him in that whole season, yeah. and and that that just that that wrecked my life, and uh, I I used to listen to his stuff. So you saved three months. I would save three months. That's amazing. And uh, fast forward a couple of months, I ended up meeting him with Randy. Yeah, out at Charles Stocks Church when before they had oh. their new building, they just purchased it, and it spiraled out of there, and just a few months later, I was going to try to move out here and join the second or third year school. of school. Of school, yeah. yeah. Wow. But that's how I got connected. So we actually go way back. We, we do. Know. And I think, I feel like I met you years ago because I came out here in like 2001. Okay. 
with Randy and some dude picked us up in like a broken down minivan. We broke down like it was like a he was like a dude from the church was like, I'll pick up Randy's yeah. interns. And uh, and I remember getting here and it was a different season with your dad. And he just took us to the oh man, lumberjacks and just oh, yeah. fed us pie. Like I remember and I'm pretty sure you were there and okay. your mom was there. And like, I'm pretty sure you were there and Brian was there and we would just load up in a minivan. And I just remember your dad just being like, eat pie. And like, he bought like six <laughs> pies and we ate pie. And that That's was my so introduction random. here. That's so random yeah. and cool. That's awesome. I love it. So th I think that was the first time I met you. Okay. But then fast forward. All I don't these remember years. meeting you. I know most people. I'm don't. so sorry. I, I can understand. Let me just put these away. Then. Um, <laughs> most people, uh, most people forget, but that's, that's what. Not anymore, Will. Well. Not anymore. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, the future will tell us. <laughs> um, but uh, since then, in this last season, I've been able to reconnect with you. Mm -hmm. And I've just. Over I'm, bees. Over bees. Over bees. Which was the weirdest thing. And I've really, 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 really enjoyed it. Yep. And I've also been confronted with my inability to control my purchasing <laughs> of the equipment. That is true. By you and your wife. I like, know, your I wife know. cornered me. I find it amusing. You're, you're, um, but see, I can relate to the obsession. My, mm -hmm. I have to control it or else it gets, I aim it. And right yeah. now it's aimed over here. But yours is aimed at bees. I think it's great. Let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. Okay, so you, you had my wife and I over at your house. Yeah. Love, love your house. We had such a great time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, went, we went walking afterwards and we were just talking about stuff. And you were like, hey, what are you, what are you into? Yeah. I was like, well, I haven't really told anybody. You were actually the first person except for like my Instagram that I actually shared this with that didn't, you know, that wasn't one of these guys that doesn't know me. And all I remember is you just, your jaw dropping and being like, I've been wanting to do bees for, uh -huh. for years. Yeah. Why? Uh, I had, we, we, we bought that property. The idea of having bees was fascinating, but mm -hmm. when we bought the 15 acres that we live on now, like, we need to have beehive. Let's have our own honey. I love honey. Okay. And then, you know, and then the uh, other side of it was the bee population globally is obviously an issue. I thought, well, I can help by having my own bees. <laughs> so that's the, that was that part of it. And, and then I found a guy, you. You're yeah. talking about bees, I'm going to hook me up. We drove and, that night to my, my little... Apiary. What's well, now turned into an apiary. For those of you who don't know what an apiary is, it's a person that has issues and they buy a lot of bees. I, get, I was in Winco yesterday uh -huh. buying the buckets yeah, yeah, yeah. for the harvest. And I'm holding these buckets. <laughs> and the lady behind me says something to the, the lady at the cash register. And she had like a honeybee, like a metal honeybee on her, like a pin on her on her shirt. And they're like, oh, that's so cute. And, and uh, she's made a comment about honey. I said... That's what these buckets for. I'm harvesting honey. She's all, nah. So we got in the whole honey conversation. Yeah. And she's all, how many how many hives do you have? I got two. She's all, that's amazing. I'm, how many do you have? She's all, well, 300? Stop. She said 300 Stop. hives. And she's all, we have a commercial. Oh, said, oh you're an apiary. She's all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I said, do you buy these buckets? She's all, no, we order barrels. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, sorry. You're, you're in a whole different world. You so, can be there, though, Eric. But, I know. No, you're going to be there. <laughs> no, you're going to be continue. there. I'm sorry. I so, so, no, it's been fun. Yeah. So we, we uh, kind of connected a little bit more recently around bees and beehives. Yeah. So it's been cool. I really like it. I get stung a lot. I don't know. I feel like you don't, you haven't been stung yet. No, because I wear everything. Ah, that's you're the try, issue. You're trying to do the, 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 the hippie approach. That's the literally the furthest thing away from anything that I am. I'm not a hippie at all. And I don't like, I know I'm supposed to care about the bees publicly, but that's not why I'm doing this. I don't even really like honey. 
I mean, I do. It doesn't make sense. How but can you not like honey? I mean, I, I'm not. I don't have anything against it, but it doesn't. Like it, it's not something that I use or think about. I'm not like, oh, put honey in my coffee. But it's been an amazing outlet for you. Yeah, I've really, I've, I've just enjoyed having a hobby. I, 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 I need to get away and do things. You know, you're, you're busy. You travel, and everybody's pulls on you. You know, you're pastor, totally. and but you're not just pastoring a church locally. You're, mm-hmm. you're. I mean, the it's platform that God has life, you guys yeah. in is you're pastoring a lot of churches yeah. around the world. You're influencing Christendom around the world. You, you guys really are. What's coming out of Reading, what's coming out of Bethel is amazing if you actually sit back and think about it. It is wild. And there's all these things that, that pull and I, I needed something that I could just do on my own. Totally. And so I've, I've found, I found a great joy. Actually, I'm not doing it on my own. I'm doing it with my father. That's um, fun. Which, which has been, really which is fun. so good. He just doesn't like the bees either, but he builds stuff for me and and takes care of things for me. So he's I love it. He's a, he's a good guy. But yeah, I've really I've really really enjoyed it. And we were going to go and harvest actually directly after the spin. We were, here, honey. but my bees have been slow lately. So <sighs> we give them another week and we'll see. Now you named your queens. Can yes, you share this um, stuff? Sheba and Bertha. <laughs> and Sheba would name Sheba because we couldn't find her forever. Remember, yeah. you came over. Uh huh. Oh, I remember. We, we couldn't find her. Yeah. And so I googled most elusive queen in history. And Queen Sheba came up. I thought, oh, that's her name, Queen Sheba. <laughs> and then Candace named the other one Bertha. Do you think anybody finds this interesting at all? Or is it just I the I think there's at least one person that's going to be like, yes. And that's about it. <laughs> Does your wife like it? Or she she likes just... the fact that we're going to have honey. Okay. And she honestly doesn't care too much. Okay. She thinks it's cool. It'll be nice next to our garden and our orchard mm-hmm. for the pollination aspect. Yeah. So that part we're looking forward to. Because I got them after, after the uh, Right. We the got bloom. into a little late in the season. Yeah. So yeah. I think next spring will be fun to see what happens. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So can I? You also in the middle of this, I found out something that you like to do as well. Yep. Which blew me away, which was sourdough bread. Sourdough bread. Talk to me about this real quick. You know that for me was actually part of my process last year of coming out of the crash, and I needed to find thing that required me to slow down, use my hands. Um, and we love bread. We, my wife and I love sourdough bread. And the process, just you start on something, but you can't eat and partake of it till the next day. So even that alone is just a really healthy thing. Yeah. And then the bread itself is so much better than yeah. what you could buy in a store. So that's been fun. I haven't made a loaf in probably a month and a half, two months. I've been traveling a bit, so that's why. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we have a start and we, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So, so having honey, and I'm eventually going to make my own butter. Okay. I want that could be something you could get into. Milk and honey. Yes. Yeah, so milk and honey and my own <laughs> bread. And that what more do you need? Are you gonna sell your honey? I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um where? I don't know yet. I I don't know. I haven't I've thought about it, but I'm not sure if I want to put the time and energy into it. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of time. I've th- I've thought about it too. But the more I talk to people, the more, more people are being, becoming aware that the honey you buy in stores mm-hmm. is most of it, if not all of it, is not honey. Yeah. So the demand for real honey is pretty high from what I'm gathering. So I'm like... I was down at a, a coffee shop right down the road here. And I know the guy that owns it. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, and, and he's... I was like, hey, let me bring you a jar of honey. And like, if you ever want more, like... You know, I'll I'll, I'll supply. I got a lot. It. Yeah, I got I got gallons. <laughs> and so I I, as I was talking to him, the this woman sitting at a table, oh, like overheard, and she's like, "Do you have honey?" And she's like, "I want to buy hundreds of gallons." 
And it was just like that. Like I've had five of those conversations. Hundreds of gallons. Mm -hmm. I had a woman offer me like over six figures already just for the products. wax. Uh-huh. The wax, huh? Yeah. That's right. You for were telling wax. me that. And it's like the weirdest thing. I mean, that's never happened to me where I've had a hobby where people are like, I want it. I mean, I'm Easter. Like, you know what I found interesting is a lot of people aren't doing it, but a lot of people want to do mm-hmm. peace. That's what I've learned since you've gotten into me high. I'm like, yeah. oh, I want to do that. So there's actually, so maybe there's more than one listener. Yeah. That is actually into this. So. Well, I have a business idea, but I don't want to get it caught in the weeds. We're going to talk about it later, Eric. We're going to make millions on bees or <laughs> not make anything. follow your lead. Or, no, don't follow my lead. Mine is one of excessiveness, not planning, and That's financial. True. I'll, I'll uh, help with the self-control. Irresponsibility. Please. I feel like you should pastor me in this. Like, it was amazing. You, your dad, and your wife. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting out there going, I'm buying bees. And don't tell my wife. Like, I said that in front of you guys. And, uh, it was bad. But anyway, you mentioned something yep. that you came out of the season of this last season. For those people who don't know, you have done yeah. a message that's gone worldwide. Mm-hmm. I, I've even had conversations like Heidi and Roland have listened to it. Yeah. Like it, it's it's gone worldwide. And mm-hmm. I, I've, I listened to to all of it more than once. And it's been such an impacting message in my own life. It's cool. And uh, share, share with us a little bit about that crash because everybody. Yeah. Everybody loves the success. Everybody loves the the glitz and the yeah. glamour. But most people, they don't know how to process process, especially in the church. Mm-hmm. How do you handle those low seasons? Yeah, can you just yeah. share a little bit about that? I, I and should, I know you've shared mm-hmm. it a ton. If people want to get in depth, they can listen to. It. Yeah, I'll so just start. And if, if you want yeah. to steer or ask questions, yeah, the short version of 2018 would by far the worst year of my life. Pretty much all of it involved me having uh, an emotional breakdown, just a full blown crash. Um, <clears throat> a brand new experience for me. Obviously, I'm around people that have been through it. My brother and Chris Vallotton, and then just pastoring church people. You know, you just run into it. So it wasn't completely foreign, but experientially never experienced it. Um, and I, I've never dealt with anxiety. So that was the weird part. So I think some people have maybe have a propensity to have anxiety, may have a propensity to struggle with crashes and stuff. I just never dealt with anxiety. At least I w- didn't think I did. And so last May, it was May, June of 2018, a couple things happened. Uh, there was a social media nightmare that involved that involved some people that in our house and blah, blah, blah. I won't get into the detail. Yeah. But it pulled me into it, and I had to do some da- damage control and then just kind of how do we fix this. And then I was also in the process of hiring a leadership coach. I've had a leadership coach in my life for, shoot, almost 20 years now just someone that I meet with proactively about leadership. So I was in the process of hiring a new one and he wanted to do some tests on me, which basically me answering a bunch of questions. Right. So I do the test. He called me up two weeks later and he says, uh, he said a couple of things. The biggest thing for this chat would be, um, you, are in, you are in the top two toughest leadership dynamics I've ever come across. And I, we went into discussion of why and what that was. But when I hung up the phone, I felt super validated. I'm like, that was actually very encouraging. It kind of gave, it gave substance to what we're all trying to do. Right. But then literally probably within, I called my wife, talked to her, and I think maybe that evening I started falling apart. And what it was is I finally admitted I'm not doing okay. So yeah. I was just manning up for a long period of time. Can I just ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. So you're not doing okay. How's that manifesting? Like, are you not praying? Are you not reading? Are you not... Are you not being a good husband, father? 
Are you not handling your time? What like what is yeah. like what is the what did that how did what did that look like in the natural? Yeah, for me it was I am not doing good emotionally and mentally. Uh, I am I am stuffing how I'm actually feeling. Um, st- what I found I didn't know in this moment, I was stuffing tons of anger, which would I didn't know I didn't know that I had I didn't know anger lived in me. And so when I found out there was a monster in me that would called anger, and that that's part of the story I could yeah. I can get into. I was incredibly angry, incredibly sad, and really frustrated. All of that, I was just stuffing. I was ignoring it. Um, and there's reasons for that. My counseling helped me through all that. So about May, June, when this stuff started happening, I started getting chest pains. It was a Saturday morning. I remember getting these chest pains, and I thought it was something I ate. So I thought it was you know, what I ate for breakfast or the last night dinner. I'm like, oh, heartburn. You know, it's like, oh. Too well, much sourdough. Yeah, too much, too <laughs> much sourdough, yeah. And um, a couple of days went by, and I'm like, wow, I still feel that, huh? So I mentioned, mentioned it to my wife. I said, I'm, I feel this pressure. I'm not sure what it is. I've never had it before. Well, a couple of weeks goes by, and I realize, oh, this is, this is what people call chest pain. And, and, and I was starting to fall apart leading up to that. So I realized, oh, this, this is my body is telling me, it's giving me symptoms of what's going on. Yeah. So to make it somewhat long story short, from May to about, once I got into about July and August, I was in pretty bad shape. I was in really bad shape. I hadn't yet got a counselor involved or a therapist. I had just pulled you know, my parents in, obviously my wife and some friends. I told some of our, my main leadership team, but by August, I had, actually end of July, I had lost control of 100% to control my thoughts. Like I would have a thought and I couldn't control where it would go. Okay. No matter what I did. Give me an example. So if, uh, oh, an example, um, something like a, an issue at work. Right. You know, something I got to solve, like a problem Corey, and a solution. Corey yelled at you yes, about that happened the almost way every your truck looks. Yeah, literally anything. Okay. And my mind would just start spinning. Mm-hmm. And I would always, and if I couldn't figure out how to fix it, it was just an endless loop. It, I couldn't close the loop. And so, so by a July, I had pretty much, and my team pretty much took all my responsibility away. They basically said, get help, get, get better. But I had so, on purpose, removed myself from any form of pressure because anything would trigger me. Can I just, I just want to, yeah. because as you're saying this, I, when you say that with a team, like I, you know, we, we all deal with teams. You, you deal with the team. Mm-hmm. You have one of the largest mm-hmm. staff, I think church staffs that I've heard of in America. It's pretty large. It's, I, I heard it's one of the largest. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, how, how do you face that as a leader where you're like, my, st- my team, my staff sees me at my weakest? And that actually comes out. Did, did your staff start to lose? No, it was actually an incredible moment for me and, a, and my team. The team was amazing. Um, so, you know, I had I had some of that normal leadership stuff of like, got to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're dealing with stuff, deal with it over there, but be strong in front of your team. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't I, at the time I thought I knew what vulnerability was. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I had no I didn't I know what vulnerability is much differently now than I thought it was. And so for me, when I went to my, so I went to our kind of my close leadership, my executive team, and that's when they started taking stuff from me. They kind of divided my world and handed it out, got rid of it, so to speak. 
And then I met with our leadership team, which was about 14, 15 of them. And I just broke down and cried. I broke down and cried, said, this is where I'm at. And this had been building for years. So this wasn't like one night. It was okay. like I had just been dealing with tons of pressure and stress and stuffing it, not dealing with it. And it finally caught up to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I told my team, the, the alarming thing was one of my team members spoke up and said, I had no idea. Wow. And I realized, wow, I thought I was vulnerable, but obviously I'm yeah. not. So that was an eye-opener, super helpful to hear that. And then they were all like, whatever you need, we're there. We're here. And so my team was awesome. They were, so that was beautiful. Um, so I kind of hibernated for a season. I mean, everything would trigger me. Like we have two, a dog and I have two cats. If, if I saw, we have hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. So if I saw animal hair on the floor, it, I would get anxiety. It would just spike my anxiety. I mean, it, would, it was ridiculous. Looking back, it was like, man, that's in a bad place to be. But that was real. Is this kind of normally how you op- how you function? And then it just like, it yeah, explodes. I would like, say, do you, are you neat freak? Like, do you, do I'm pretty particular. Yeah. You know, some call it OCD. Yeah. yeah I'm, that definitely, it was just on steroids. Okay. Like, there was no reason to it. There was no, like, it was just functional, massive dysfunction. You know, my lawn. I love mowing my lawn and getting nice lines. <laughs> and if it wasn't done right, which I do it, mm-hmm. I, I would just anxiety. Wow. Just, so everything triggered me. Uh, so any problems in our environment that came at me would even make, you know, so just I couldn't function. So I just removed myself. So by, uh, by end of July, I was, I, I'm in such bad shape. I can't even control my thoughts. So my days were measured by how long can I go into the day without getting triggered. So if I got triggered at nine in the morning, I was like, this is going to be such a long day because I would just spin and I couldn't close the loop. I would try to watch something, listen, I'd just try to just, nothing closed the loop. Prayer, all all the declarations, all the the Christian things. I did all the Christian stuff to do do this. Okay. Did it all. Yeah. Nothing would close the loop. And and that around that, it would kind of coming and like, I need to, I need to, I need to get a counselor. I need to hire somebody, blah, blah, blah. But I needed somebody outside of the environment just for my own, just to, it, I just needed that just for extra level of confidentiality mm-hmm. and for me to feel free to just be genuinely honest. I totally get that. Like, yeah. if we want to get to the bottom of right. that, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I got connected to a gal who's now one of my close friends. And obviously, I, you know, I tell you, I think you saved my life, honestly. You saved my life in so many ways. And so I started meeting with her in August and doing really well with her. And I was like, I'm getting better. Chest pain left. I haven't had them since August, September last year. So it's been over a year now. I'm like, I'm doing really good. And she's like, no, you, we, remember, we've removed every form of pressure in your life. So you're like, you know, you're hibernated. So you're, you're not, you're, she's like, I just got you out of pain. Yeah. Now we need to get to the real stuff. But there was an event that happened, which is funny. It's one year next week. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a dinner party at our house, which seemed a little crazy with the condition I was in, but I actually just wanted some friends and just hang out. And it would end of summer, going into the fall. We had a car fire. Uh, you know, we were yeah. just like, we want fall. It yes. just, and that was compounded, a car fire, yeah. you know, was compounded on all this. So, And that season was just insane. It was insanity. It was, in, it was crazy. Everybody was dealing with some, yeah. you know, so to deal with this, and it was just a lot. So... Um, so we had a dinner party, like 30, 40 people in our backyard. And so we, it was already preset. And so that day I'm like, I can't function. And I, my, uh, yeah, I'm running on empty. And, but I'm doing better, no chest pains. And I had, it usually takes me about two or three hours to get my backyard set up for a party of this size. And I thought, well, I'll just take all day, really go really slow, set my backyard up, do the whole deal. 
And so I go in the back and I thought, okay, by noon, one o'clock, I'm going to take a nap, get some rest, and then go back and finish. And I'm having a great, everything going slow. I'm mowing the yard slow, bringing the, I'm doing the light, I'm doing everything. And about noon, I go into my garage to get a tool to do something before I'm going to take a nap. So I go in the garage, well, we have a half bathroom in the garage. And I walk in the garage and the toilet had backed up and there's raw sewage, like literally raw sewage all over my garage. Yeah. I went into a full-blown panic and anxiety attack, like just red line, big yeah. time. So I come running out of the garage, my wife's working in the backyard and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm losing it. And she's like, it's fine, we'll, we'll, get take, we'll cancel the party. I'm like, no, I'm, 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 I'm not in my right mind. I'm spinning, right. I'm out of control. Are you aware of that or are you in the moment? Uh, I'm pretty in the moment, but I'm also aware that I'm acting pretty hyper. Okay. So I'm okay. aware of that. And I could tell my wife looking at me, just, yeah. you know, trying to get me to calm down. And, but I'm in hyper mode. And so long story short, I call a septic guy and he says, you can come over an hour and a half. I said, great. And I'm just, I'm, I'm frantic, but I can't find my pick to dig the ground up <laughs> to find the access right. to my septic tank. Right. And I, I laugh about it now, but I was flipping out yeah. about I can't find my pick. <laughs> and I have a shed that's like a couple hundred yards away. I have a couple sheds, 15 yeah, acres. So it. I'm like yeah. <laughs> literally running around the property. Where's my pick? And my yeah. wife's like, I'll go buy a pick. I'm like, no. And so we're having this. It's funny now, but in the moment, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was horrible. And I'm digging my back. I'm a, I'm a yard guy, so I'm digging holes in my backyard trying to find the septic tank. I'm, I'm going like two feet down. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'm not it's, laughing at you. No, no I can, it's just, I get it. Like, yeah. I'm in a full-blown panic attack, yeah. digging my yard up. And, you know, septic tanks are only six inches but, on yeah, the ground. Yeah. But I went two feet. Oh, so I thought, maybe I missed it. Buddy. No, I'm just, I'm out You're of in mind. it. You're, oh, yeah. bro, it's bad. Yeah. So finally, um, I can't find, I can't find the, the access. So the, the, the guy, the poop truck, right. the septic guy pulled in the driveway. So by this time, I had been redlining for about two hours and digging. I'm in panic. So I walk down the driveway to meet the guy and the big Mexican guy gets mm -hmm. out of the truck. And uh, he looks at me and this is why I knew things were bad. He looked at me and said, hey, you all right? <laughs> and I'm all, no. <laughs> and he comes over to me. He comes up the driveway. His name is Raul. Yeah. He comes up, he grabs me on the shoulder and he looks me in the eye and says, hey, I'll take care of it. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. I literally wanted to kiss him yeah. and jump in his arms. Yeah. Cause he was, it was just like an angel from heaven. Yeah. So I walked him in the backyard. He does his job, cleans out the tank, yada, yada. The tank had filled up. Right. And then he called me over and he said, Eric, I'll come look, I'll tell you what I did. So I walk over, I look down the tank and he's talking to me about what he did. I don't really hear him. I hear the Holy Spirit say, this is what I'm doing to you right now. I'm pumping a lot of, a lot of poop out yeah. basically. And that's what began what I would say the hardest part of the process. So that was middle of September, and for the next, so September, October, November, December was the, the, the hardest season of my life. Yeah. And with a couple of my counselor, obviously the Holy Spirit, just getting deep into some stuff that was just really painful. That's yeah. where I realized I was incredibly angry at a lot of stuff. Didn't know that. that I, had told, I would never imagine that in a million, the little that I do know you, but, you exactly. have, but you've been around long enough for you've been around a long time in the public and as a minister totally stuff comes out I, yeah and all the times i've watched you minister heard you speak that is never 
exactly. There's other guys that I've thought about. That. Oh yeah, absolutely. yeah, like all the it's time. It's obvious on yeah. other guys, but for me, what it was is what happened within a counseling session. My counselor would ask me this question, and I hesitated. I delayed in answering her. I said, "Well, you know, it's uh, and I'm I'm like I'm formulating the answer." Mm-hmm. And she's all, "What are you doing right now?" I said, "Well, I want to make sure I say it right." And she's all, "Stop editing your thoughts. You're editing editing your thoughts," and I'm like, "All right." And then all of a sudden, this, I felt the anger, not at her, but yeah. like the thing I was trying to edit, and I realized, long story short, I realized I had been telling myself it's not okay to be angry, mm. or you're not supposed to be angry. Yeah. So I would never let myself be angry. So I would just, I would rephrase it. I would, I would you know, I would just would never call it anger, and I would never let myself be angry. Now, would your wife say the same thing about you? Would she say that you were that you were shoving down anger. She would probably, if she was sitting there, she'd probably say, you're not being honest with yourself. Yeah. She probably would definitely be saying that. I don't know if she would say, you're, you're angry, you don't even know it. She'd right. say, you're not, you're not connected. Okay. She would say that for sure. Okay. And looking back, I'm like, oh, super disconnected. And a lot of it was, and in the process, I realized I had shut my heart down. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there, were two, there were kind of two significant moments where I literally shut my heart down. One about eight-ish years ago, and the other one about 14, 15 years ago. Okay. Don't need to go into those details. Yeah. But, I, but I shut my heart down and lived in my head. Mm. And so what caused the, what triggered the breakdown is when I could not fix the problem. Yeah. I couldn't fix it. Because I was just living in my head for so many years that I completely disconnected from my heart. So my counselor gets me reconnected to my heart and found out I'm super angry. Yeah. <laughs> super sad. Incredibly sad. Just weeping sad. And then just really just frustrated, which kind of connected to anger, but right. just a different type of. So that was alarming. It was yeah. scary. I mean, it was it was four months. You know, for some people, they've, they've seasoned a lot longer for me, which was a really intense four months. And uh, I was not functional. Uh, I wasn't functional in a social sense. I wasn't functional in a, I can't handle, I had no capacity. Yeah. You know, all the above. My wife, you know, talked to her kids. So at the time, my daughters were, you know, 16, 18. I mean, they're, they're, they're teenagers, yeah. later teenagers. And, you know, I found out afterwards um, that my wife said, hey, girl, if you need anything, just come to me for right now. Dad, <laughs> just, dad didn't, you know, He's in, not that. Yeah, I didn't know that, and I'm I'm glad. So so Candace kind of carried the load as yeah. far as just the home life. She carried a ton of load at the church, you know. So I uh, I don't know your wife that well, but the little that I have seen her and the way that she navigates mm-hmm. um, the position that she has in in a small community. Mm-hmm. Every time I see her out, I always see her out in public. I rarely do I see her, mm-hmm. you know, in the things that you think you would, but I see her out at Costco or whatever. Yep. And she is, the way that she carries herself, the way that she carries yep. uh, that that pastoral, that community care mm-hmm. in the middle of just this, explos- this explosively large community, yep. I think is really beautiful. I, I, I'm so impressed. It's remarkable for I, sure. I really am. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, you came through this season. Yeah. And coming out of it, like mm-hmm. as you've been sharing this, I'm sure you're getting testimonies. Yeah. I, I, the, some of the greatest feedback I get is when I share my failures or the struggles, whether it was yeah. my wife and I went through cancer, and, which is different, you know. But Crazy, I also though. talk about, we t- I also talk about um, our marriage. We went through a huge marriage where everything imploded. Yeah. 
And I share those things and I get testimonies like out the wazoo yeah. when you share that. What are some of the things that you're hearing connect to the hearts of people as you're as you're share, as you're opening up this really? Yeah, so uh, it would December, it was like December 8th and 9th. Uh, another thing happened with the Lord revolving the septic tank. That's another long story, but it kind of ended the season. I could feel like it. Now, I still had to, I the I would say the um, the crash ended, but the rebuilding began. That was early December. So we're at what nine, ten months later, and I think it was in January. I think I flew to New Zealand to um, take care. Of, I had to deal with some stuff there and then do a conference. And so I, I'm I'm a month out of this crash. So I'm really raw, but I actually don't care. Like this is, I hope this is not inappropriate, but I told my There's team. There's nothing inappropriate okay. on this. So I told my team, so I came out of the crash. We had our, our staff, our, my, our leadership team, a retreat. Uh, actually ended, yeah, middle end of January. And I said, God, this is how I describe where I'm at right there. I'm naked mm. and I'm loving it. I wouldn't, I mean naked in the sense of yeah. like, I am so exposed right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's nothing I'm not hiding right now. I, mean, I am literally exposed, not just to you, but to because mm -hmm. I spoke on Christmas Sunday. Yeah, that's you know it's on the oh, part, yeah. the message you oh, referred yeah. to. I I just shared the whole story. Yeah, and mm -hmm. just the whole thing, you know, alone with God. Can and I ask so, you a quick question? Because yeah. as I'm remembering all these things, I want to ask yeah. you as you're sharing the story. What's the balance as a leader? That's that's that you guys have worldwide mm -hmm. recognition. Every message mm -hmm. goes out to the world. What's the balance of of sharing, like, where's that line where you where you share too much? Is there a line where you share too much? I don't know if it. I don't know if there. There probably is a line, depending on what topic. But mm -hmm. on this topic, I don't know if there is a line as much of is this the only thing you talk about? Right. So obviously, we don't talk about this every week. Right. But because it was such a significant season and a crash for me, and I am the senior pastor of the church, it was like the church needs to know where where I'm at. And honestly, they had no idea. Most yeah. most of people were like. I'm all, yeah, I'm really good at, yeah. That was part of my issue too. That yeah. part of my, my dysfunction is I'm really good at projecting something that I want you to see. Yeah. So it's so that, and that's something I'm like, oh gosh. So obviously as a leader, you don't want to just project, you know, you, that there's a whole nother conversation behind that. But right. I think the point is, is there a line? I don't know if there's a line as much as how often do you talk about it. I just knew I needed to. Yep. What I didn't realize until I was done, it actually, it actually helped me in the healing process. Yeah. Because I was doing something that was so against my norm, being literally stripped naked in front of my our family, our church. Yeah. It said, this is where I'm at. This is what I just went through. This is where I'm at. And this is... this And so if, to answer your earlier question about testimony, it's been overwhelming. Mm. I think the biggest thing that's been fascinating for me, so I went to New Zealand, like I said, and it was a leaders conference. And the afternoon session, I did four sessions in one day. Afternoon sessions were fine, but the morning session was, I just shared the story. Yeah, I just took an hour and I shared the whole story. I'm in tears, I'm just, I'm, I am fresh out of this. And everyone said, that's why we came to this conference yeah. for that. And I think what it is, is leaders and people too. I think just people in general, they don't realize, uh, they, what I hear from people, they say, I now have permission. It's okay. Uh, I don't need to hide, um, you know, I don't need to just stuff this stuff. And I think for leaders, for them to go, I'm actually not doing well. Yeah. Instead of just manning up and, you know, right. whatever. So, so yeah, the testimonies have been overwhelming still to this day. 
have, have there been some like points and I know all teachers, all ministers, you know, especially our, our, our Christian that we want, like they want to know the healing at the end and they want to see like kind of the, the closure three points that you learned. And I don't want to boil it down to that, but was there anything that you walked out of now that you've walked through the process and you, you must've walked other people through this process. Is there anything you can look back and say, listen, if you're experiencing this and this and this, do your best to do this and this and this yeah. to see breakthrough. Yeah, I would, um, obviously if you're experiencing any symptom physically, mm -hmm. like chest pains, um, are you dealing with anxiety? Is it spiking? Is it, you know, just uh, the mind not being able to close loops? If that stuff's happening, then then those are, those are, those are, those are symptoms, those are things telling you get help, do something. Mm -hmm. So if you're experiencing that, um, thankfully I didn't, I didn't lose sleep. I, I, I wasn't like up all night. If I, if that, I talk to people, they have this and sleep deprivation. Right. That's a whole nother level that I don't have experience with. So I would say anything on the physical level, get help. Um, I think if you, if, if something so dumb is triggering you, then it's, it's probably, it's probably time to get something checked on yeah. for sure. Um, avoiding people. Like just, that's like all I uncharacteristic, <laughs> un yeah, uncharacteristically. Like I'm yeah. just avoiding people, and I'm avoiding pressure. I'm avo I'm just yeah. avoiding a lot of stuff. Sometimes that's you. I think that's you. You're, you're just a, um, something's going on, and you're not admitting it. So those are some of the thoughts I have on yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, not to change the subject, but uh, well, no, it's all it's all it's all following the same narrative. I know I've read uh, I've listened to Chris Valentin mm -hmm. talk about this. I've listened to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have not read your your brother's book, yeah. but he, I've read a, I've read inserts and heard little mm -hmm. snippets here and there. Yeah. He's very open about mm -hmm. oh yeah a crash in his life. Mm -hmm. um, what? So, are you guys? I mean, is there something that you guys are tackling as a staff or as a community? Do you think this is something that because of this really? amazing community where people are open and they process mm -hmm. out in the open. Is that why we're hearing so much of it? Or is it, or do you yeah. think that it, can I, can I, can I get a little spiritual? Do you think that there is like, cause we are, we are in this charismatic yeah. Pentecostal movement that, mm -hmm. that looks at not just the natural, but mm -hmm. the spiritual. Do you think, have you guys had any of those conversations? We, what's interesting, like when, you know, take Chris, Chris's book, it's a very spiritual, you know, his crash was very connected to a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. Brian, um, Brian, Brian was probably a combination. Now, I'll say for me, what I say it wasn't spiritual, that wouldn't be fully accurate. But I didn't feel like it was spiritual as it was just me. Yeah. And so obviously what comes first, I don't know. You know, like which comes first. I didn't feel like it was, you know, I mean, leading something that we're leading, there's definite pressure, yeah. uh, stress. Yeah, uh, that stuff is just norm, right? And I think it's probably just me getting disconnected from my heart. Yeah, that was the thing that um, that was my poor decision. And honestly, I didn't realize it. I'll be really honest. It wasn't like one day I woke up that I'm just going to disconnect from my heart. It mm -hmm. wasn't that. It was just I just over time got disconnected. Yeah, and yeah. and so for me, I felt like it was very much an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the enemy attached itself to that, and I definitely was attacked with thoughts and et cetera. So, yeah. so I don't know if that answers your question, but those are my thoughts. Have yeah. we talked about it? Yeah, I'm yeah. for sure. You know, the way all three of us specifically got out of it is very different. 
right. Brian ended up Brian ended up using some anxiety medicine mm-hmm. just to get things down to a level so he can get healthy. I never went to the med route. I never I didn't need to it. I should was that say. like a conscious choice that you made or? Well, actually, I don't think it was. Okay. I just um, the chest pain went away about a month after counseling, but the real work began, and so things were progressing. I think if I was stuck, that might have been an option. Yeah. But I feel like it was progressing enough, and my counselor didn't feel like I needed to, so I just yeah. followed her lead. Really, Chris's book Spirit Wars. He talks about how he go, he went on medication mm-hmm. to get to a point where he could actually begin to deal with this stuff. Yeah, to come to come off of it. I a lot of people that offends them. Totally, and I love it. Yeah. Like there was when he said that, uh, there was places as I travel around the world that 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 one little snippet of him being saying that yeah. like set so many people free. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I but. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. It is. It's My, a lot. It's another. It's probably another conversation for another day. Oh, totally. But I, I would just say, just for the record, now I would say, if that's a route you go, mm-hmm. I don't know if it should be up to the patient to determine it. Um, as much as it's, it's a combination of multiple people speaking into it, yeah. versus only the doctor's opinion or just the patient. I think it needs to be a community of people. In other words your spouse or friends. So it's not just this, because it can be abused. That's right. the other issue that we right. have now is it becomes the dependency thing. And then that's a whole nother cycle you have to break. And yeah. so I think at least in Brian's story and Chris's story, it was an aid to help them get free versus it didn't become a dependency issue. Yeah. So that, that that's something that's worth discussing. I don't know as I, you know, I, I have a completely different, um, you and I are totally different. You're a pastor. I'm uh, just a, a weirdo with a microphone like you know like you have a different a totally different skill set but as i as i look as i pull back and i look at the amount of pressure that 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 i've come under in the, mm-hmm. in this last transition and not, mm-hmm. not when I, I don't i'm not when i say pressure i'm not saying a bad thing it's i think it's a no it's just thing. normal yeah to leadership s- yeah it's, to it's leadership. see the amount of pressure that is on you guys from the outside world mm-hmm. to, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what you guys as just as a community mm-hmm. and how you handle that. I mean, the re, the reality is what's coming out of Bethel is going around planet earth. There isn't anywhere I can go. Mm-hmm. I was just in uh, middle of nowhere, Tasmania. Yeah. Like middle of nowhere town of 1200 people. Yeah. And, they're all singing songs that yeah. have been birthed out of this mm-hmm. house. They're yeah. all, they're all it's the crazy, core huh? messages yeah. here are like, have shaped their community. There's students, like I couldn't go a single place in middle of nowhere, Tasmania, where a student wasn't there. In fact, in fa- there was a student six years ago from here that set up the conference there because they're just believing God wow. to do more and they're working a job and they just got That's this amazing. vision. And, and so like even that in the middle of nowhere, Tasmania, yeah. The, the the world watches you guys. How have you how have you handled navigating that? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, every move you make, every mm-hmm. every word you say yeah. is criticized mm-hmm. or celebrated. Yeah, yeah. I think um, how have we navigated that? Uh, we have we have an amazing team, so it doesn't fall on one person. Mm-hmm. Now, so we all carry that weight. I think if it was only on one of us, if it was only on my dad, mm-hmm. only on Chris or me or Brian or Ken or whoever, you know, right. Danny or any of the any yeah. of the crew, then that would crush him. It would probably kill him. But because we're a team 
and because of the massive history yeah. of running together um, in normal life and in ministry life, there's a certain strength that um, that you get in that. You know, so to say there isn't pressure isn't true. There's a ton of pressure, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is what we're called to. I mean, this is, and then in the midst of the pressure, the other side of it, the fruit, mm -hmm. uh, the testimony, uh, the yeah. impact overwhelms yeah. this part. There's no question. And so as long as we are really good at keeping this the priority, keeping, you know, we, that's why testimony culture is huge for us. Yeah. It's, it's not just a good idea, but it's actually a lifeline to navigate just everything. It's like, what is God doing? Okay, that's where we're at. And he's going to give us grace and wisdom how to navigate the onslaught or the attention, the criticism, and praise. And so I think it's just, I think the team, the ability to run together, the testimony culture. And then I think, you know, we, I, it feels like, making decisions, how we make decisions, when we do it together, we, it, it works really well. Yeah. Um, at least our experience, I should say. Yeah. You know, so even right now, we're dealing with several, several pressure points, <laughs> onslaughts on different topics. Right. And, and yeah. you know, I, I would tell them... Is there I, any topics you can share? No, you don't want it? It's fine. I get yeah. it. I told you, don't worry about not, it. Not today. No, it's okay. Not today. I get it. We'll do it at another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we're dealing with a few few points of pressure right yeah. now, and I think um, so. Like right now, like this week, I'm like, I just feel off this week. Yeah, I just feel a little off. And so my wife today, I, before I came here, she was all, "Tell me about that." And I'm like, all right, so I went through a list. I'm like, and I finally said, "Yeah, that's why I feel off. It's, yeah. It would be understandable." Yeah. So I think it's just being honest. Yeah. You know, like that's the season I'm in. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that bothers me. You know, yeah. versus no, it didn't bother me. It's like yeah. no, it actually does. So that's so I feel like feel like I'm in a different season. When when I was in my crash, the Lord said, "I'm going to give you a new operating system. The one you have at that point got you here, but it's not going to get you where we're going." Yeah. So I feel like I'm in a new operating. I'm learning a new operating system now. I literally am learning it as we as we talk. I'm like, oh, so learn to be more honest with myself, being real about it. And then at the same time, uh, shaping my life to manage my, have a lot of fun too. Right. You know, I've, I've, I've never been, yeah, <laughs> I've never been the guy that's not known how to have fun. I think I'm just guarding it more religiously mm -hmm. and um, unapologetically. That makes sense. Yeah, Versus totally. like, I feel bad for doing this. Like, why? No. And so, so I'm in a new season. So to answer your question, how do we navigate it? Yeah. I think if we take care of ourselves really well, then we can navigate it. And it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, I want to value your time, and yep. and I really do. Yeah. Uh, can I can I just get in a couple more quick questions? You're, you're great. Go Are you sure? It. I am yes, positive. I am positive. Okay, so you guys have you're you're surrounded by giants. I've never seen a a community that has so many people that can be number ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like they can, yep. they're leaders. They mm -hmm. are leaders. Yeah. And they're influencing influencing the planet. Um, whether, you know, just, just ministries that are under so yeah. you know, just there's so many yeah. alphas, mm -hmm. right? Totally. How do you guys navigate that? Well, my dad said something forever ago. Mm -hmm. He said, I have no desire to build big ministry. I have a desire to build big people. So that really was the beginning of a culture. Now, some of that I believe he got from my my his parents. Mm -hmm. They they definitely laid a foundation. But my dad, and then you have Chris Valentin come along, 
who is, you know, my dad is the guy that, you know, the, the philosopher, the yeah. vision guy, this is what God's called us, and Chris, the phenomenal builder. So those were the two guys 20-something, you know, 30 years ago, whatever it was, that and Chris is the builder. And so the culture would build with the idea, we're going to raise up something dotted. We're not just going to raise up soldiers or employees or workers. We want to raise up something daughter to become moms and dads, to become big people. Yeah. And so that that was the goal. So what what you just made mention of mm-hmm. was always the goal. Okay. And it wasn't unintentional. It was very intentional. So when you look at leadership structures and models, mm-hmm. there's not a lot out there we can pull from and say, <laughs> oh, this is how they've done it because it's typically a one man or you know, it's a very small show. Right. And just, you know, very top down right. heavy. Now, to be clear, my dad is the final one in charge in our environment. There's no question. But, but at the same time, there's tons of room for us to have high levels of responsibility and authority. Now, what's unique to us right now, and what I think we are currently navigating, is the, the sons and daughters, the teenagers, yep. are now in their 30s and 40s. Yes. And when, when we were all teenagers, the 30s and 40s-year-olds are now 60s, yeah. 50s, 60s, 70s. And so the relationships change. Mm-hmm. Obviously the structure has to change, but the relational dynamic has to change. So kind of like, so it would be really strange if my mom and dad came over to our house right now and started disciplining and parenting my children. Right. It'd be really awkward. Like, right. wait a second, those are, those are, so to even a normal family environment. And so I think those are some of the dynamics that We'll probably write about someday on yeah. some level, but there's not a lot to pull from. There's a lot to pull from in in books and teaching on succession and right. leadership, but not this dynamic. I haven't seen it. It's usually the kids have to move out. Yeah, There's no other option to ever just move out, go build your own thing. But we are trying, attempting, experimenting with, do you have to move out? Can, can this house be big enough? Can you build a house on the same property? I'm using metaphors. Yeah. So that's what we're going after. It's definitely been amazing, and it's definitely been very interesting to navigate. There's so many dynamics involved. And so we are currently navigating that. So, you know, we're no longer teenagers, obviously. Yeah. Now I'm like, my kids are out of the house almost. Yeah. And so I'm naturally at a stage in life of like, there's a lot I want to do. And then you have... Then you have some of the guys that are in the 50s and 60s, yeah. and they're like in their prime, mm-hmm. prime whatever that totally. means, but they're in their prime going, oh my gosh, I got you know, 10, 20, 30 years left. Yeah. I want to give it my all. You know, so it just you got all these dynamics in the same room, uh, same environment, and there's, almost, there's only so much real estate. So I think one of the reasons why there's so many ministries, yeah. that is our way to allow people to do what God's called them to do, but they don't necessarily have to move or leave the environment. Right. Now, if you do leave, is it a bad thing? No, like Banning and CJ, the Lord called them to Sacramento. Yeah. Danny and Sherry, they felt that. Uh, Joaquin and Renee, they moved yeah. So there are times and places for that to happen, but sometimes that's the only option. And I think we're trying to navigate it to have to be the only option. And so, yeah, so we're, yeah. we're, we're, try, we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it on some level. It's, it's uh, I think, you know, in, in Iris, where my my greatest fear, and, I, and we can end with this, uh, I'll, and I'll let you go. But my greatest fear, as I look at what God has built in a mm-hmm. moment of outpouring, move of the Spirit, revival, 
a word, a destiny, mm-hmm. a prophetic call, something that is spoken to the world. I mean, Bethel, that's what God's done at Bethel is that, you know, mm-hmm. and similarly at Iris, right? It was like an outpouring that marked a word that sparked a movement. Yeah. How do you navigate that to the next generation? How do you make sure that um, that sons mm-hmm. maintain, I think, yeah. maintain the original intent and the original word, but also build and grow? There's very few that I've seen do that successfully. I've seen people do it on a smaller scale, mm-hmm. I would say successfully, yeah. maybe in a, in a local church mm-hmm. or, a, or a smaller, maybe a small, when I mean smaller, not, you know, the, maybe the reach that they have. Yeah. Um, I've seen that happen on a smaller scale successfully with lots of issues, but successfully. There's very few that I've seen on a larger scale. Yeah. And uh, you guys seem to be like just running directly at that and mm-hmm. going, we're going to do this. Yeah, I think the greatest challenge for any for any generation is to gain a value for something they did not pay a price for. Mm. And that right there is is the huge, huge challenge. So how do you, is the next question, how does a generation gain any value, mm. if not the same value, but it costs them zero? Yeah. So the two things I would say for right now would be one, for, for somebody that wants to get value for something they didn't cost them anything is to get as close as they can to the heartbeat of the price it cost, how much it cost, to what does that look like, um, talking to the people that pay the price, getting close to them as possible, and not just hearing the stories, but feeling the stories, like get connected to this cost them an arm, yeah. <laughs> or this cost them whatever, and like just in the realization, then I think... The, the second part is that that generation realizes I have a responsibility to take this. Inheritance does not mean retirement. Mm-hmm. It means responsibility. Yeah. And so I think a generation that receives an inheritance, if they can go, oh, I can just cruise. No, no, no. My, my job now is to not just maintain this and steward it, but is to increase it. And so I would say... If you had asked me what phase we're in, mm-hmm. I always say we're out of the gain of value phase. I think we're in the this now this and I'm a part of it. This kind of anybody in my level of age and life, now we're going, okay, how are we going to increase this? So mm-hmm. now we have a bunch of people that are beginning to build mm-hmm. towards the future. And so, but I would say the last 10, 15 years would get a value, get a value, get a value. And now we're moving into, okay, these sons and daughters aren't just kids anymore. Yeah. They're moms and they're, they are fully responsible for this environment. They carry the weight of the finances. They mm-hmm. carry the weight of the, the presence at all the things that are important to us. They feel the organization and they feel the weight of revival, the movement, the presence, signs and wonders and miracles. They feel that weight and now they're going, okay, what are we going to do to raise up another generation and to take this thing forward? Yeah. So I think we're, I feel like we're in that phase yeah. and um, history will tell us, I mean, at there's, the end of the day. There's something that, that I've been milling around and I, and I don't even like the question, but I, I ask, and, and I'd love to just hear your insight on mm-hmm. this. My, the first question I think most people start with, mm-hmm. or the first question I think most people should start with, and please tell me if I'm wrong, is, is this supposed to go beyond me? And I think. And I, 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 I'm fully convinced with Iris and Bethel, but I think a lot of people, they just assume there's a lot of pastors mm-hmm. that assume there's a lot of ministers that yeah. assume that God wants to take it past, past them. Do you think that God 
want like in, in everything that's built by him, he wants to maintain like take it bigger and continue to grow and build. Or do you? you I think do you know what I'm saying? Maybe that's not. A, I don't know. No, if it's an interesting well. question. Like, I, I probably would ask: Does does the take it to the next level mean bigger? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it mean more? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm sure it does often, but I don't know if it does every time. Yeah. I think, so we had to change our language. So we did a language change a little bit. It was probably 10 years ago now that I think about it. But instead of saying succession planning, mm-hmm. we just called it success planning. Because succession planning implies, okay, this what causes success. We need to replace it with the same thing. Right. So it would very much like, okay, we got to replace that personality. Yes. That person's role. We got to replace yeah. that. And it's like, wait, that's... That's impossible. Right. No one can be a Chris Valentin. Right. No one can be a Bill Johnson. No <laughs> try, one can be a Danny. Try being a Heidi Baker. No, <laughs> no this is a great yeah. point. Like, no, no one ever going to be a Heidi no Baker. One. No one. So if we are thinking the success is that we replace that person, mm-hmm. with that, that, so we realized, oh, that isn't, that's not going to work. So we changed our language to success. So success, what is success? So that's the question I would say. You have to define what is success beyond you. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Um, and I think if you can get that sorted out, then, then that's what you build towards. So for us, we are not trying to create another Bill Johnson. Yeah. There's no point in that. You know, the funny joke is people say... Um, uh, they asked me questions. So what's the light to feel, what's the light to step in your dad's suit? I said, mm-hmm. well, first of all, he hasn't taken them off. <laughs> and second of all, he's told me he's not ever taken them off. Yeah. It, it's a joke, but it's a serious joke. Yeah. It's like, he's like, no, 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 you have your own shoes to fill. Right. And so, so for us, what is success? I think I do. I think it's increased. Or I think it's more. Or I think it's all the above. Probably, probably. Yeah. Is it going to look vastly different? Absolutely. Yeah. What's it going to look like? I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a little bit of we're going to know as we go. Yeah. Um, but we believe we've got the pieces in place. We've got, you know, we've got a generation that understand the cost, and now they're carrying the weight of it, and they're going to move it forward. So, so those, are, those are some of the thoughts around Come that. Come on. Well, I could sit here all day, and you're too polite to tell me to shut up. I so. am too polite. I so I'll let that. you end it. <laughs> no, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to, you know. I'm going to shut this down. I don't want to. I hope we get to do this again sometime. Let's do it again. Eric, no joke, man. Honestly, like uh, these past few months, just getting to know you, seeing you laugh at me, making dumb mistakes with my V finance (laughs) and just meeting your wife has been one of the greatest joys that I've had in this, in this season in, in Reading. Um, That's awesome. You know, and I I mean that sincerely. Uh, As I look, as I sit back and look at, Leaders who are going after not just a move of the spirit, which is, but but how do we do that with excellence? How do yeah. we go after it? And and you, you tackle these really beautiful issues that have been that have been given handed to us by a previous generation. Mm-hmm. You do it with grace. You do it so well, man. Cool. Thank you. And just getting to know you, getting to know your wife. Uh, we we yeah, it's just been so so much fun, man. That's cool. So thank, thank you for you. coming in. Absolutely. Listen, um, I got if you want to, he's got these two books out. Okay, we got momentum and Christ in you. He's yep. coming out with another one pretty yep. soon next year, mostly like next fall of twenty twenty. Okay, anywhere that you're going to be, anything that you want to say, any 
Any Thanks plugs? for having me on the show. And you're awesome. Thanks for getting me into bees. <laughs> and I'm excited about extracting honey soon. Okay. So no, yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's do this again sometime, let's and uh, we'll bring we'll bring our honey, and we could do a taste test. Let's do in it in front of people. Let's do it. Uh, love you, Eric. Love you too. Thank thanks you. Appreciate um, it. Hey, thanks for watching, everybody. Um, we've we just had an amazing time with with Pastor Eric Johnson from Bethel Church here in Redding, California. Uh, thanks for watching this. If you liked it, uh, send it to somebody. There's so much good stuff in this. I don't know why you wouldn't send it to somebody. Subscribe. Uh, uh, below, click the link below and subscribe. We will see you the next time on the Green Room, a Iris Global podcast. Love you guys. Uh, it's Will Hart. If you want to follow Eric, uh, Instagram, Eric J76, and you can scroll down and see the fro. Come on, and you need to see the fro, and I want to see the dreadlocks. And uh, yeah, love you guys. We'll catch you in the next uh, Green Room.